As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Panther Puri. You can't get rid of us just because it's the offseason. And uh, guys, not much to talk about, right? I guess we're going to have to just uh, drudge up some offseason. Oh, wait a minute. Matthew Kachuk is a. I have a trade to talk about. <laughs> Matthew Kachuk is a I, I Florida have Panther. Fire Emblem Three Houses uh, for Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. At GameStop. Uh, no, I mean just personally, and <laughs> when I'm playing, because I've owned, I own them both digitally. Oh, okay. So it wasn't even a trade. It was just you swapping the cartridges in your Game Boy. You know. No, digitally, digitally. So not even like cartridge swapping. Not even. I have way. traded what I am playing. But I, I can't think of anything more significant, any more significant trades to talk about. No, but um, Matthew Kachuk is a Florida Panther. It happened because of magic. There's no, nothing that went the other way. No, I, I think that we should acknowledge that while it is very exciting that Matthew Kachuk is now a Florida Panther, there's an incalculable loss uh, of the, in form of the player going the other way. I'm, of course, referring to Cole Schwint, Who? our favorite, the best Panther prospect, and frankly – was on course to be the best Florida Panther in the history of the NHL, maybe the best player. And sadly, he's going to Calgary. In all seriousness, he was a prospect we were excited about. We really enjoyed having him on the show and interacting with him on social media. He will be sadly missed. And he goes along with a first-round pick in 2025 that is lottery-protected, which I'll explain later. Jonathan Huberto and the last year remaining of his 5.9 million average annual value contract and Mackenzie Weger and the last year of his $3.25 million average annual value contract. And I want to start by talking about the guys that are leaving because it's, you know, two guys that we've been talking about for years and years as hugely important Panthers. I mean, Huberto, I think his number will probably get retired based Definitely. on what he's done in, in Florida. He's the, he leaves as the all-time leading scorer, I believe, in, in team history. Yeah, he yeah set the single season it is record. record uh, it is a record that will be broken by Sasha Barkov eventually, sooner yes. rather than later. But I don't know if Barkov will break the single season points record that Huberto set this year. Including, well, that's a different comment. Yeah. yeah, including the uh, record for assists by a left wing or whatever. But you know, that, that's something he did set. And, of course, Mackenzie Wieger is coming off two consecutive seasons receiving Norris votes. He's one of the best defensemen in the NHL, despite the fact that he's been disappointing in the last two postseasons in terms of the highlights. He, you know, there are some numbers to suggest that he's played better than those highlights would let you believe. And still, like in the regular season, kind of an undeniable number one defenseman would be the best defenseman on the team were it not for a Norris caliber Aaron Ekblad playing alongside him. So these two guys go out the door and it's very sad to see them go. Yeah. I mean, they're like, if you look all over Panthers, Twitter, 
there is a lot of angry, angry fans. And it's because Jonathan Huber was a fan favorite. He has been with the organization for what, 10 years now? Oh, and for a decade, yeah. Yeah, because he was drafted, and I think, in 2012. Uh, 2011. Uh, 2011. Yeah, even longer. So, yeah, and 11. His first round pick in 2012 was Mike Matheson. Yeah. So he's been with the organization for 11 years. He is someone that was part of the turnaround of this organization. You, the Panthers are not the President's trophies winner, pro, Trophy winners without Jonathan Huberdeau. This was uh, a shitter, Alex, that there are people who think they would have been better off not winning the President's Trophy. So who's to blame there then? <laughs> it's his fault for scoring so much. How dare Jonathan Huberdeau be so good at hockey last season? But yeah, like, this, like so good at offense. I, I, and he was someone the casual Panthers fan, like the casual South Florida sports fan knew. I actually got a text today from my uncle saying they traded Huber. Why would they Panthers ever do this? The only other Panther my uncle knows is Pavel Bure. So that's even like, Luongo. Wow. Yeah. Like he had no idea who Luongo was like, uh, I mean, he knows John Van Breesworth was because of me, but like in terms of like actually knowing about the person, it was Huberto and and that, that Barkov guy, that Barkov guy, you know, Huberto. <laughs> that Barkov guy. It's not even Alexander Alex, Barkov. It's that Barkov guy. I, I need to, you want, you want to hear a great story of a player that a relative only knows because of you. Go on. So I, I had dinner with my parents tonight and naturally I brought like, I, it was the, the trade was brought up. And my mother, who I love very, very much, asked me, how do you feel about losing Cole Schwinn? <laughs> <laughs> not yes. Huberto, not we. Actually, she did say, how do you feel about uh, afterwards? She, was, she said, what about your boy Weger? She, she did say that too. But my mother very specifically called out Cole Schwinn because she knows about that relationship. <laughs> Yeah, I'm honestly, I mean, we'll talk about, I mean, we can talk about Colshwin real quick before we go back to Huber. I'm devastated. We're never going to get that tweet signed by him. I mean, maybe we do when Calgary comes to play, but like, absolutely. We're going to do That's going to make it a lot harder. If I can swing that, I would love to, but yeah, we have to make that happen. I was Jake. planning on doing that at training camp this year. I fully yeah. expect Colshwin to have an NHL career. Now, oh, he's yeah. probably never going to be a superstar player, probably not even going to be a top six player. But, you know, yeah. he projected to be like a Cali Yarncroke type. He's going to be a guy that, like, he's going to be your third-line center on a good team. He's going to do a lot of dirty work. And you're really going to love him if you're a, a fan of the team because he does lots of things that make you a winning team. Worth noting, he is also a pretty good penalty killer, at least at the AHL level. Right. Uh, assuming he continues on his progression, he is a guy that's going to have a very long NHL career but he's never going to sign for more than like 1.7 AAV, but you need those kind of guys. Yeah. Like, Look, that kind of depth player lifts the cup every year. Yeah. Yeah. Darren Helm. I mean, that's honestly kind of a low, that's below even what I expect him to be, but Darren Helm lifted the cup and he was a pretty important part of the avalanche this year. I mean, more, yeah. more so like a poor man's um, what's the Finnish guy from Montreal. Oh, Lekkonen. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Lekkonen. He could be a poor man's Lekkonen. He does all the Lekkonen things, I think. Well, well, there's a reason George in our spaces was like, oh, 
Uh, Cole Schmidt, that's probably a guy Bill Zita was hoping uh, Brad Treleving or whatever his name is wouldn't ask for. But you also don't say no to this trade because they asked for Cole Schwint. It's just, it's like, damn it, they asked for this guy. Like, you were hoping they would ask for someone else, and damn it, they asked for Cole Schwint. That's actually a good segue. Uh, Does anybody else want to say anything about Uyghur, Huberto, Schwint, the the pick we didn't touch on? I'm going to miss 2025 first-round pick so much. He was 2025 first round pick was my second favorite player behind future considerations. I had his Jersey and now I'm going to have to get rid of it. What can I do with it? Anyway? Yeah. It's top 10 protected, <laughs> I believe. And uh, if the Panthers pick in the top 10 in 2025, the pick rolls over to 2026 Panthers got back a fourth round pick, which is also conditional upon whether or not that first round pick is delivered in 2025. If it isn't, the Panthers would get that fourth round pick in 2026. 2025 first round pick just went with his mom to get his learner's permit. <laughs> I don't know if they can even get it yet. I think that they have to wait another year. No, they're 15. Three years from now, Three 15, years away? 17. Yeah. What, is, yeah, what is it in Canada? I don't know. They're probably Canadian. I don't know. That's true. Either way. Um, you know, statistically, you're right. They probably are Canadian. Um, just on to Uyghur. I mean, I want to touch on him a little bit. Like, yes, this is a player who had some very glaring gaffes in the playoffs the last two years, but he's still a top pairing defenseman. He's one of the best 30, 35 defensemen in the NHL. This is a loss for the Florida Panthers. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but like their defense, their defense is not good right now. Like there's going to need to be another move if they want to have a shot of being a, you know, contending team in the Atlantic to win the comp, the division. Cause right now I think they're clearly behind Tampa uh, not Tampa, Toronto, and maybe even Boston. Uh, I wouldn't say they're behind Boston before seeing what happens with Bergeron. Bergeron's I don't think they're behind back. Boston regardless. Bergeron's coming back. Bergeron like, is coming back, but I, I just don't, I don't think they're behind Boston. Until I see a contract, I'm not going to say that. Like, Patrice Bergeron is not currently a member of the Boston Bruins roster. And I mean, look at, look at what happens for Boston against Carolina, and then Carolina lost to the fucking Rangers, who are trash. And these playoffs had all they, sorts okay. of what the fucks. DJ, they lost to Igor Shesterkin. They didn't lose to the Rangers. I mean, they didn't look particularly good doing it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, man, Shesterkin is stealing this game. Yes, all right. Well, I, I wanted to get to a different point. I don't want to make this a whole thing but so the question then becomes like if you're going to miss these pieces so much why do you even make this trade and it's a pretty simple answer in my opinion i think bill zito made this trade because because he thinks that contract is going to age much better than any contract that could potentially be given to Uyghur or huberto in the offseason now for those of you who aren't aware i i think most of you are huberto and Uyghur both only have one year left on their contracts and they're great contracts. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of value to that one year, but there's only one year left on those contracts. Yeah. And that's, it it almost feels like Zito is take is willing to take a step back for this coming season to be better positioned for the future. Um, But the reality is Zito just staked his entire tenure on this move. You know, regardless of statue, we're not like, if this doesn't work and the Panthers take like a massive step back this offseason, he's not going to lose his job, but he ends up on the hot seat. 
I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things that have to go wrong in that case, but I, I, well, let's like let's let's talk about it for a second. Like right now, the defensive core is Uyghur Forsling, not Uyghur Ekblad. You mean I'm Ekblad? sorry, uh, Ekblad Forsling, and then Meh. What about Brandon Montour? Brandon Montour is your third best defenseman right now. That's a that's, problem. That's a huge problem. You cannot afford a seat like. Forsling and Ekblad have to play okay. 82 games. Honestly, I love Gus Forsling. It's a problem that Gus Forsling is your second best defenseman. I don't yeah. disagree. <laughs> we don't even have to go to three. And like Forsling's a good defenseman, especially for a waiver wire pickup. But is but Lucas Carlson the next Uyghur? Not the second best defenseman on a cup winning team. But is Lucas Carlson the next Uyghur? You know, don't rule it out. He had an excellent <sighs> season last year. Can he take a step up? We certainly didn't think Weger could, and then he did. I did. Shut up. Yes, I did. Well, I Check think Carlson could take a step up then. So Check the receipts. I was banging the drum for Weger for a long time. All right, let's put Carlson with Ekblad then. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it with all sincerity. No, like, Ekblad's good enough. Ekblad's good enough. He can car- carry around Carlson. Carlson could do a lot of good things. But this this Okay. I'm going to throw a name out there for an outside ad that would be cheap, and you guys are going to lose your shit. I think I know who you're going to say. Take a guess, then. I think he wears 76. I don't know what number he wears, but I think you might be right. What team did he play for last year? New Jersey. You're right. P.K. Subban. I I, I think... It would be fun. Honestly, I'm, I'm down for it, it to be... It would be fun. I... You have Subban, to. He doesn't have it anymore. You have to give like if it's a one year one million dollar deal where the where it's like you know what hey, yeah it's like hey you either still got it or if, like yeah. we you, we if agree you to mutually terminate PK Subban just to be a warm body on an otherwise very shallow defense you know what I'm I'm on board you we did sign have, another defender so we'll talk about him later but you, you know don't what? have a choice at this point you have to sorry TJ you have to sign somebody. Calvin DeHaan is also still out there for the record. And we've always liked Calvin DeHaan. So we would say, hey, go get oh, Calvin he DeHaan. Is? Wait, why the hell have we not already signed him then? I don't know, man. Good question. Why hasn't anyone signed him? He, I know. Well, DeHaan weird. probably wants – yeah, I, I, I would imagine that you're not going to get DeHaan for a short-term deal. I, I, I don't know. I mean, to. nobody traded for him at the deadline either. Is, is, is this now so the So then new, maybe there's something about him that yeah, – The new know. Cody Franson. If, if the Panthers could get Calvin DeHaan – I would be ecstatic. I mean, they, they have to go after somebody like that, like a like a Subban, like a Dahan. Dahan in his time was definitely a top four defenseman, and he yeah, but, oh, he yeah. really hasn't reached the age where he should have declined significantly, like Subban. But the decline has still happened. I mean, the analytics don't really reflect it for Dahan. Analytics for Subban aren't very good. Right. Yeah, but you need a number two or a number three type defenseman on this team. Like that's DeHaan what you need. play extremely well with Ekblad. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's, but that's as a number four, you still have that same problem. I've always thought that like, it's fine. If you, if you have an elite defenseman and you put, uh, you know, capable top four defenseman next to them, that can work. Like yeah. Pittsburgh won two cups with Brian Dumoulin playing with Chris Letang. Brian Dumoulin I... is nothing special. But he can I play with Chris Letang. I want to call out one of my favorite cup-winning pairs of all time right now. Duncan Keith and Nicholas Jalmerson. 
Yeah, but Jalmerson was Jalmerson's like a, legit. Yeah, yeah, on. legit. Well, one of the yeah, best defensive Jahan defensemen. Four man's Jalmerson, to an extent. And right, but, Ekblad, to an extent is a poor man's Keith. Yeah, I mean, that's I, what I'm getting at there. <laughs> I, I I guess in theory, if you can find a number four type to play with Ekblad, and then you know, I guess you keep the Forsling Gudas pairing together as your second pairing, your defense got worse. It's it's still worse because you went from two legit top pairing defensemen to a number one and a number four to playing together and basically a number three and a number five as your second pairing. It's not terrible, but the Panthers need, Panthers need, like there has to be another move. And I think we'll find out tomorrow during the introductory press conference because someone's going to ask if they're going to make a move for a defenseman. I, I just wouldn't be surprised to see Bill Zito give a very canned response of we're always looking for ways to improve our roster. I wouldn't be surprised either. I don't want to lose sight of what I was trying to ultimately say, though, like the point of why the Panthers did this. Matthew Kachuk is 24 years old. Matthew Kachuk right. scored over 100 points last year. He had 104 points. He had 42 goals. And he has elite metrics in every area. Now, he was kind of disappointing in the playoffs last year. The stats look fine because of the fact that Calgary ran up the score in game one of the series against the Oilers. Kachuk had a hat trick in that game. He didn't score another point. Uh, He only had one goal against Dallas. The three goals otherwise scored in the playoffs in that one game that they won against Edmonton. And forgetting about all of that though this is still a guy that is on the upward trajectory in his career whereas Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger god love them they're on the downward trajectory and I mean we've talked about it a long time or they've at least leveled off yeah I would say leveled off and then eventually going to decline well look they're not they're not going to get better right Kachuk on the other hand is still getting better and already has a hundred point season under his belt. Right. And you've got eight years of control at under $10 million, the same contract Mark Stone just signed, you know, for his UFA years, basically with uh, Kachuk having limited leverage to get that number. You still managed to get that number for the best years of his career. Like, Right. Year eight of that contract is not going to be a problem, especially because the salary cap is going to go up. And I mean, I still think he's not going to really be a diminished version of the player that Matthew Kuchuk will be for the remainder of his career. He's still going to be excellent. Right. That's that's the big thing that we shouldn't overlook here. It's that Matthew Kuchuk is now a Panther barring a trade from ages 24 to 32. And the Panthers, what, what the Panthers just did is they extended their window. Yes, that's what they did. I agree. They added a star, a bona fide star. Yes. Who is only 24 years old and mm-hmm. locked him up for eight years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Panthers had essentially, well, they had a one-year window because if you didn't realize it, they could not keep Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto. They were going to have to pick one or the other, and it was going to be Jonathan Huberto. But like in terms of a much richer contract than the Panthers should be giving out. And we don't all three agree on this, but me and Jacob would say would say a contract that would age poorly. Yes. Look, I think every 30 and over contract ages poorly. It's just how bad does it get towards the end? And I, I think you guys are of the opinion that like 
the last few years of Jonathan Huberto are going to be like, oh, God, get this guy off my team. And I'm just I'm going to be thinking it's like, OK, well, you had a first line winger for three years and he's, you know, more of a second pairing guy towards the end of that deal. That's a second pairing. I'm second not line quite guy. get this guy off my team level. I am. Think about how we feel about the Sergei Bobrovsky contract. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's what Jonathan Hubro is going to become. It's going to be maybe he's got like maybe he can put up a couple more good years out of this, but like, is he really worth ten million? And is that is that salary going to get in the way of other things? The answer is no and yes, respectively. Yeah. See, I, I think you get a minimum of four all-star worthy years out of Huberto's next contract, but I really don't want to keep doing this because four. That's yeah. that's a big number for a 30-year-old. I mean, I just think Huberto is that good, but Huberto is, is now a, a Calgary flame for this year. Um, I think we're all in agreement that he does not play more than one season with Calgary and likely at most to the deadline. Is that anyone disagree? Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I, we were just, I, just I talking. I can't picture him staying there. We were just talking to a few Calgary people about it, and like honestly – I think it's fine for them to just keep him because they're they're stuck in the middle for, you know, if they were to sign him, they'd still be stuck in the middle because he's going to be a little bit diminished version of Huberto. That takes them from, I don't know, this third best team in the Pacific to the second best. Like they're still probably not going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. And they're too good to be in the Bedard sweepstakes if they had just blown it up. Like maybe they could blow it up to the yeah. extent that like they trade literally everybody, but then you've got you know, a, a market that's going to protest your every move because you just traded literally 10 players in an off season, but otherwise they would have been too good to bottom out. So, you know, maybe you take one last big swing and you're kind of in an advantageous position that you accidentally got that much worse for next year. And you can start to whittle away piece by piece until the point where you can do the full scale re- rebuild. I mean, there will be other good players. I don't know if there's going to be another Connor Bedard in a few years, but like there will be another Austin Matthews or something like that, maybe. Cause I think Connor Bedard has the potential to be the best player in the league for many years in a row, like a Connor McDavid level player. Yeah. We, we keep talking how using the term generational and it's like, Oh, you only see one of these guys once in a lifetime, once in every 30 years. And the yeah, game has just gotten so generation. much better. <laughs> right. But the game has just gotten so much better. The training has gotten so much better. The skills gotten so much better. We're seeing these guys every four or five years now. Like does, Matthews, does the definition of generational need to change? Uh, <laughs> well, I guess Matthew Kachuk is a generational player, according to Bill Zito. Let's not forget. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's just a misuse of the term. It, he's it really is fantastic, but he's not a generational talent. It really is. That's it, it's it's a bizarre you thing. See, to say. You see a Matthew Kachuk every year or two. Yeah, I, I think he, that's honestly that's him trying to sell the trade because Matthew oh, Kachuk, yeah, of course. Matthew Kachuk is not a household name. Like it's a very good player, and every intelligent hockey fan knows Matthew Kachuk is a damn good NHLer and a future, you know, twenty, you know, fifteen plus time All Star under the old format, obviously. But like, you know. It does, you know, the people around South Florida who are only casual hockey fans have never heard of Kachuk. They maybe heard of his father. Um, yeah, that's, uh, the, yeah. <laughs> but like, again, 
you know, I'm, I use my cousins and uncles as an example who are diehard Dolphin fans, diehard Heat fans, you know, could name you the 15th guy on the Heat bench. And when it comes to the Panthers, it's that Huberto guy and that Barkov guy. Like, they have no idea who Matthew Kachuk is. I had to explain. Shout out like, Haywood Highsmith. Right. I had to explain why, why this mattered, why they did who? this. He's the 15th guy on the Heat bench, probably. Cool. Right, but that's what I'm saying is you didn't get someone like they know who McDavid is, like they know who Patrick Kane is because like they see those yeah. guys on ESPN. Matthew Kachuk has not spent a lot of time on ESPN because he plays for the Calgary Flames. He was on ESPN. For the though. record, Keith Kachuk is one of my five favorite players from his generation. Keith Kachuk rules, and he's going to be at a lot of Panthers games, so that's awesome. Oh, True. Oh, give me the Sens at Panthers. I need to get tickets to Sens at Panthers because yeah, that's going to be a – that'll give me a chance to meet Keith Kachuk. Let, let, let's talk about this for a second. One of my hockey heroes. We now have two incredible player rivalries in the Atlantic Division with, you know, Brady Kachuk versus Matthew Thank Kachuk you. and the one that entertains me exponentially more with the potential of, Bra- of Matthew Kachuk versus Brad Marchand. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rev up those fryers because, boy, I am hungry. I'm very excited about the Kachuk Marshan content. Yeah. And the Kachuk Kachuk content. That's going to be a lot of fun. But, like, yes. Kachuk Marshan. Because Matthew Kachuk is, is Brad Marshan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, it, cross your fingers that that's what you get. Because Brad Marshan, despite the fact well, that Kachuk's he does. already some... got a 100 point season. Yeah. 24 year old Brad Marshan wasn't even in the NHL. No, and you know, despite the fact that Brad Marchand's a little bit of a scumbag, I don't think that Matthew Kachuk has done anything truly to the level of some of the things that Brad Marchand has done. But my God, he, he's not one of my favorite players to watch in the league. He's just incredible. Yeah. Like it's it's they're an both, indescribable feeling watching Brad Marchand <laughs> do his thing because like it, it can be just unbelievable. I can't I can't put it into words. I really can't. I just surprised Brad Marchand, and if we can get our own version of that, I'll be very happy. Oh my God, we, man! We did. It's Matthew. I, Kachuk. I hope so. I hope so. Some of the things that Matthew Kachuk can do are pretty damn special too. You guys, you guys saw that goal that he scored at the the waning seconds of a game in Nashville between yes. his legs. The between, yeah, between that may his be legs the most impressive the goal I've ever seen in my life. Like that. That is how impressive that was. He didn't even have possession of the puck and he still somehow scored between his legs. He like skated up to it and scored between his legs. Oh my God. I just thought, I I just thought of something, you know, who's really happy about this trade today. That one Panthers fan who would melt down and the, like the three times Huberto was off sides on a goal. (laughs) Guy put up 115 points and we're melting down because three goals got taken yeah. off the board because Huberto was half an inch offside. That guy is probably like, yeah, thank God Huberto's gone. Here's one thing that we can address without making it a whole topic because like it's already been beaten to death on Twitter. But uh, Jonathan Huberto did not have a good defensive impact when he was on the ice. Oftentimes it would be uh, more yeah. goals ending up in the Panthers net than when other guys were on the ice, but the thing is they scored twice as many on the other side. So you still wanted him around and right. Matthew Kachuk gives you the goal scoring without the goal conceding. He is 
he last year he was a 61% expected goals player, which was the second best on not the that Matthew Kachuk will never be scored against, just to make sure no one misconstrues what you're saying. Right, right. But, but he, Kachuk is a much better defensive player. And just overall is an outstanding driver of play and possession player. Like some of the best possession numbers in the modern era, flat out. So question for you guys, where do you spot Kachuk in the lineup? I would put him with Sam Bennett, to be honest with you. I think you got to keep what you got going together. Uh, Barkov and Verhage. I think that you could put Colin White with them to see if they get any chemistry going. I read something yesterday and haven't verified it, but apparently when they were together on the Flames, Kachuk and Bennett were very successful. And Kachuk had 1.7 or 1.8 points per game in those games. So I think that when you get Declare with them, those two being players that I think play a little bit more all around the ice, they can cover up what uh, Duclair doesn't do on the defensive end. Now, Sam Bennett takes some penalties and sometimes has uh, some frustrating defensive tendencies. So you might not say that he's as good defensively as Matthew Kachuk, but hey, Matthew Kachuk can, can cover up from those guys. He'll play on the power play anyway. I just think that uh, you want to have Barkov and Verhage together. Verhage at left wing, Barkov at center. And you could put Kachuk uh, at left wing on the second line. I think you start Kachuk with Barkov and you see if you can get something going. If the second line starts to wane, the first move you make is to move Matthew Kachuk down. And just one other thing about that, TJ, I think you try Rudolph Balser's uh, on line one before you try Colin White there. I think Colin White has more of a pedigree as an offensive guy that can potentially break out and I, I see Balsers as more of like even though he had a fantastic scoring season last year as a Mason Marchment replacement who can do a lot of nice things but isn't necessarily known for you know high end offensive ability because you know maybe he'll surprise me he does have some skills in that area not to say that he's you know got stone hands but I see Colin White as the guy with more potential to have that Verhage like offensive breakout I think I agree with TJ just because my biggest concern other than the defense with this trade is what happens to Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett was yeah. Sam Bennett was a guy barely hanging on in Calgary. Like he was getting fourth line minutes. Maybe he was being misused and just with having second line minutes with Florida is what fixed him. But me personally, I give a lot of the credit to, of fixing Sam Bennett to Jonathan Huberto and that guy is gone. I don't know, you know, versus the fact that Duclair is out for the beginning of the season. I don't know. That's true. Bennett lost his two favorite line mates. I don't know how Sam. Yeah. I don't know how Sam Bennett is going to do with new line mates. Like maybe you give him Reinhardt and one of the new guys like Balsers or cousins or Colin white or something and hope for the best. But I think you have to give Chitka, uh, Bennett to Kachuk to start the season because you know you can make a good first line with Barkov or Hagee and X. Yep. True. We don't know what we're going to get out of anything Sam Bennett. I mean, we don't even know if Sam Bennett for Hagee works. Like, that's that's the scary. I'm going to bet that it does because for Hagee works with everybody. <laughs> 
It, it probably does. But I'm just saying is, you know, we all hated the Sam Bennett trade for a lot of valid reasons. And then we got proven loud wrong. But the guy who was responsible for until fixing, now, oh, right. But the not. guy who was responsible for fixing him is gone. Like, so the plus side of Huberto being traded is that either we'll realize that Bennett is worth his contract or we'll be right. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing, I guess. Win-win for us. Right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> I looked it up because I was curious in terms of the with or without stats. And uh, I forgot that natural stat trick doesn't have individual stats for these, but uh, in terms of expected goals, uh, Sam Bennett's expected goals go up percentage goes up without Huberto and Huberto's goes down without Bennett. Uh, that's probably not really due to player quality to be completely honest, but uh, something worth noting. Interesting. But how much has Bennett played without Huberto? It can't be that much. No, because there was a lot of time. Uh, he, he's played ha- about half of his five-on-five five minutes without Huberto. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm no, sorry. not – sorry, sorry. He's played about 35%, so like twice okay. as much with Huberto. Sorry. Okay, that, that makes more sense. No, no, you're good. Okay, but 35% is not insignificant. It really is 35% isn't. of a second-line center. It's 323 minutes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a decent sample nothing. size. Yeah, in, in those minutes, the Panthers have 59% of the goals, 57% of the expected goals, you know, other, other possession stats that are pretty much in that same vein. I am going to say something that probably makes sense. Uh, and I don't know why I felt like I needed to preface this <laughs> by, by saying The that. earth is flat! <laughs> When Bennett was without Huberto, I think a lot of that time that Bennett spent without Huberto was during some of the Panthers' miracle comebacks because that's when Huberto was playing with Barkov the most. When the Panthers needed a kick in the ass and get their engines going, you put Huberto and Barkov together to work some magic. That's my guess of when Bennett got most of his Huberto-less minutes in situations where the Panthers were working fucking miracles. So that probably has a lot to do with why Bennett's numbers change the way they do without Uberdo. I would obviously have to do research that is more significant than I am willing to do for something I don't get paid that much for or really anything at all. Um, no. We need money. <laughs> yeah, someone sponsor us, please. I'm literally broke. To, yeah, to, to confirm what I like this theory, I would need to do research on this season almost to the extent of re-watching every single comeback. But that would be my theory on why, why Bennett's numbers change the way they do without Huberto. It's, pr- it's probably mostly in the midst of those comebacks. Yeah, it, it's certainly possible. And it's just honestly, I don't even, can we even really talk about last year's team in comparables anymore? Because this team now looks completely different. Very different. I, the, the top six is just getting completely remade. I know Giroux is only here for about 20 games, but like he's gone. Marchment's gone. Huberto's gone. Duclair is injured. Duclair is injured. Four of your top six to finish the season are no longer with the team or injured. And then you have the change in head coach. Like Zito changed a lot this, uh, this summer. Mm-hmm. I think to – go back to what you were saying about Zito's really like staking his, his uh, reputation on a move. I think the head coaching change is really where he's staking his claim because 
they they took something that worked really well and totally slipped it around and you know the the age is on the wrong side with the move that he did make i mean you could go with andrew burnett into next season and say look we know it didn't work in the playoffs but we have potentially the next great head coach you know for the next 25 years on our bench if he works those issues out whereas now they've got 55 year old paul maurice and notice how i got the age right this time <laughs> did not say fall- fallaciously that he was in his 60s but i mean the, the guy's going to be burned out of the sport at some point he's going to be passed by in the sport at some point like yeah it was two years ago uh i i'm i'm gonna temper my pessimism you know i've oh, kind wow. of already did you have therapy this morning i, I think the sam bennett trade changed <laughs> me because I, I came out hard in the direction I fully expected that to be going in. And for some reason, it didn't go in that direction. So I needed to just... You do you know, mean maybe, the Matthew Kachuk trade or do you mean the Sam Bennett trade? I mean the Sam Bennett trade because I was shocked that okay. it worked at all. He was horrible in Calgary. True. He was horrible. Yeah, he really was. But like, honestly, I don't even know if we're ever going to be able to point to what was the move. Like whether... The next season ends in a deep playoff run or next season ends in disaster or it ends in meh. Like, so Zito has changed so much. We'll never be able to pinpoint what the move was that made the difference, whether it was the coach. You know, what... On Friday night when the Panthers traded Matthew Kachuk, I had a text from my sister that asked a very interesting question. The question was, why do the Panthers keep making drastic changes after record-breaking seasons? Yeah. That's a good question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. And the, the, the example I want to make is Tampa. They had their record-breaking season. They had a disastrous playoff against Columbus, and they ran it back. And that's what all three of us were advocating for after the season ended. It's like, hey – don't make any panic decisions. Don't make any big changes. The only change you should really consider is the head coach. And that's because you had Brunette, who was an interim guy who wasn't, you know, no one expected this guy to be a head coach. And the fact that he, you know, ended up having to take another assistant job kind of tells you what the rest of the NHL thinks is that, you know, he basically didn't crash the Ferrari until the playoffs when Ferrari crashed. But Zito, whether it was one we want to call it a panic or whether it was well thought out and a conscientious decision, he did not run it back. Like the, his entire tenure as a GM is going to be based on this offseason and what happens this coming year. Not, not what happens this coming year, because this did, move clearly is a kicking the can. I disagree because if it, if, if this year goes great and they end up in a similar situation points-wise, maybe not President's Trophy winner, but, you know, one of the top two teams in the Atlantic or the third team when every team is 100-plus point. Like, okay, let me back up. If this is another 100-plus point season, then Zito, Zito's a genius. The statue goes up, no big deal. If this is a 90-ish point season where they're on the bubble of the playoffs, even if you call it a kick the can down the road, like, that's not good. This was a team that was president's trophy winner. And even, and if they had just ran it back and, you know, dealt with the losses of Giroux, Marchment and Ben Sherat, which isn't a loss, that's addition by subtraction. This was still a hundred point team. If you are not a hundred point team, the moves didn't like, it didn't really work out. 
I, I still have trouble with that though, because of this move was clearly made to create a team that you can roll back for eight years that you really believe in. Because, you know, like we were saying about Huberto and Weaker, we weren't, I was not looking forward to the Huberto contract. Like this time last year, I was saying, I hope they don't extend him because that contract's going to be ugly. And, you know, I, I know I wouldn't be able to get out of Twitter alive saying that now, but, you know, and my mind has also changed because he had an amazing year to an extent, but like, I, I understand wanting to avoid that contract because you're, you're signing it at age 30 and it's going to be heavy. I and Weger, we've talked about the physical traits on him. You know, they're going to go very quickly. And we saw with Keith Yandel this year, when you don't, you, when you can't skate, you can't play. I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, even with the, like, I, I can't, I think it was Jay Fresh's model. Even with the losses, like as of, you know, Friday afternoon, the Panthers were still projected to be a 106 point team based on Jay Fresh's models. I don't know if he's released some new ones after that, but like, I'm just saying this was still a team that was supposed to be a hundred point team. And Zito just rolled the dice and said, let's, let's find out, you know, I, it takes some very huge cojones to do what he just did. And like I said, I think his tenure is going to, whether we're building the statue or we're running the guy out of town in the next two to three years, it's going to be based on what happened this offseason. Yeah. But I think that the year it's really looking to is 23-24. Because you got 12 million coming off the books. You're going to have Barkov at 27. You're going to have all these other guys at 27, Duclair, Ekblad, Verhage. It's amazing how many guys are 26 on this team, but that's sort of beside the point. And you've got that cap space to add what we think is going to be an extra defenseman. At any rate, it's the missing I mean, it piece. has to be. Right. They need to add to this defense. And, you know, maybe that's in the form of signing some depth guy that's a UFA right now that's the next Verhage or, next, you know, next Forsling. I, I don't know if it's going to be that easy. I think it's going to be a bigger name. Whether it's a guy like Travis Sanheim or it's a, like a, a trade where you send out a forward, sort of like they did here with Kachuk, with them sending out Huberto. They clearly got to get a guy on D. Yeah. I mean, they're walking into, they're, they're going to walk into next July with six, almost 16 million in cap space and 15 players signed, including all of their best forwards are signed for 23, 24. Like and all their best defensemen, honestly. Yeah. They're, they're, they're uh, expiring contracts next year are Patrick Hornquist, who, if he's brought back, it'll be a, you know, million dollar type deal. Colin White, who's an RFA and Balser's RFA. R- Rudolph Balser's. Those are their forwards that are, you know, that need to be brought up. No one who is expected to get a raise. So you don't really need to worry about spending money at forward unless you want to bring someone in. And then Radko Gudis's money comes off the books. But other than that, like you're going to have, 10 million to throw at any free agent you want. If you want to make a big splash signing. I mean, I don't think anyone out there is worth it. I don't think Sandheim is a $10 million guy, but it's certainly not. Let's call it six and a half to Sandheim. You can do that and not break a sweat. Mm-hmm. And for the record, I think Sandheim's the guy. Yeah. Oh, Spencer Knight. Sandheim's Spencer- going to have a lot of suitors. 
I think, but Sanheim's the guy. I think if Spencer Knight is commanding a big contract next offseason, it means he had a great year, and you probably had a great year. So that's a good problem to have. Yeah, I mean, the reality is the only way that happens is if Bob gets hurt or his game just goes to complete shit and Spencer, you know, takes the job. But the reality is we're looking at another year where Bob is going to get about 50 to 55 starts and Spencer will get the others, assuming no injuries. And he's just not going to put up the numbers where he can, in good faith, command a huge contract uh, contract. The reality is he's going to want to take a bridge deal, probably something that's like two years because he's going to want to go into his next negotiation with a year as a starter under his belt. Yep. As he should, like his agent will tell him that and it will work for the Panthers as well. It's in everybody's best interest. So I'm not particularly worried about that number. It's all about that extra space to sign a defenseman or acquire a defenseman. They don't really have the assets to go after somebody cheap like Chikrin. So that pipe dream is kind of done unless they decide to trade the 2026 first round pick. Oh God. I mean, they probably will at this rate. I mean, Vilzito's mantra is fuck them picks, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, but it's not like you can't anymore. You just can't. Yeah. I, there's just nothing left in the pipeline. Like, like there's guys who are nice, like maybe Dennis Sanko has a breakout year, but then if he has a breakout year, you want him for yourself. Yeah. Jack Devine, he'll be good. Podcast favorite player. Yeah. I I think uh, I ignored what Matt Benning did this year. He had one of the five best scoring seasons. Matt Benning is the already NHL player. Sorry, I keep doing that. Mike Benning. Yes, you do. He had the fourth best defensive scoring season in the NCAA of players under 20 in this century. He had a better scoring season than Quinn Hughes did the year before he became an NHL player. He had a better season than Zach Wenski did before he became an NHL player in terms of points, which is not everything. But I mean, this is, I think after, especially after winning frozen Four MVP, like that's a guy that can play in the clutch and in the regular season. I think this is a guy that's going to be on your blue line. Yeah, it's impossible to ignore that kind of production. No, you're 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 not wrong, but that's also not someone we're going to see this year. He's no back to college. Kind of surprised that he's not at least like getting a look. Like you know, he could sign a contract, and if he doesn't make the team, go to the AHL. But uh, you know, Denver's not a bad place to be either. Yeah, coming off a national championship, you're that's that's a hard thing to convince a player. If you tell him, hey, you're going to be the NHL you can convince that guy. But if you tell him instead of being on a college campus, big dick on campus with a national championship ring, you've got to go ride the bus in Charlotte. He's not taking it. Fair. That's a very good point. So uh, riding Rocky mountain high there in Denver for Mike, Mike Benning, Mike Benning. Yeah. Not also, also legal weed. If he likes to partake. Just saying. Yep. And that's probably why he's riding high. So um, this is the meat of the episode, obviously. Uh, there are a few things that we should address at the end that are not nearly as significant. Uh, but where do we want to leave the 
Kachuk trade conversation. I was, I'll, I'll give my final thoughts first, I guess. I was really excited about it when it was first announced. And I think you heard that in the spaces. I'm honestly a little nervous about it right now. Like, I think in the long run, it'll be okay. But I'm scared that we just took a team that should still compete for a Stanley Cup and took too big of a step back because I don't think you can replace Mackenzie Weger this year. I don't think you can replace him ever. I mean, yeah. in terms of what Weger is right now, I know the future implications we talked about, but I'm just saying right now, the Panthers had a chance to win a cup next this coming season. And this team as currently constructed, I don't think can do that because that defense is putrid outside of Aaron Ackblad on Gustav Forslund. I'm not saying Montour and Gudis aren't, capable NHLers and Lucas Carlson. Don't forget Lucas, Lucas Carlson. Carlson. Okay. Lucas Carlson as well, but like you need to find a second pairing there. And yeah. right now there isn't one. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, Carlson Montour isn't the worst second pairing you could have. It was a stud third pairing. You know, the, the numbers they put up were awesome. So hopefully yeah. that can work as a second pairing. I would be pretty nervous about it, but you know, with what you got it forward, you can probably survive. Like that would be the hope. Uh, Zito, you know, do your magic, I guess. And you know, trade spe- the 23 second for Gavrikov. Speaking of Zito. Who needs to draft? Speaking of Zito, though, like I keep going back to this and it's going to be kind of annoying, but what Emily Kaplan has continued to say about her conversations with the Panthers front office it sort of seemed like they wanted to take a step back. Like they didn't really think that this was the year. Like they, they maybe they look fondly at the idea of blowing it up a little bit. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't do it to the extent that Barkov was traded for futures, but they got a younger player and didn't extend Jonathan Huberto and didn't extend Mackenzie Weaker. And it kind of goes back to that for me, what they were saying about how like, oh, they had all these overtime wins and, you know, they didn't know what it takes to win in the playoffs. I get that to an extent for sure. Some of that is worrying because they were legitimately an awesome team. The Corsi and the expected goals were all off the charts. Good. So I, I do share your, your sentiments. I, and again, like, should it really have taken this much? Like, I just saw what the Blues offer supposedly was. It was Tarasenko and Scandella and a first, probably. Because the significant draft pick, quote unquote. Probably a first round pick. Come on. Yeah. Scandella, seriously? Yeah. It, when, when you're comparing apples to apples there, Huberto and Tarasenko is no contest. The only difference is Tarasenko, I think, has two years left on his deal. One? I think oh, it's one. Yeah. I think who I think Zito got played a bit if that's the case. Yeah. And maybe like, maybe the devils were offering Heesha or something like that. Who knows? But like, I mean, there's no contest between Huberto and Tarasenko. There's no contest between Uyghur and Scandella and then the picks or whatever. But like Zito, man, you got played if that was if that was the offer you had to beat. You 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 got played. Yeah, and I I don't want to join all the voices saying like, "What the hell are you doing, Zito? Who were those better than Kachuk?" I don't I don't agree with that. Uh, you know, like you you blew up the team. Don't agree with that either. Like I I I think that they made the right move here. I think that this is a trade you you make 
if you're in this situation when you can get eight years and trade in two players with one year, you do it. And everybody will have their opinion. And I think those opinions are just as valid as my own. That's my opinion. Do we want to move on to the other small things that we need to talk about here? Yeah, we, we, yeah, we might as well. And they're right. So just a, a couple of uh, two-way signings, really. Uh, Chris Tierney and Michael Delzato get two-way contracts, both former senators. A rough year for Chris Tierney last year, and his career has taken a nosedive at uh, just the age of 28, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he used to be a pretty consistent 40-point type of scorer, solid third-line forward, went to the finals with the Sharks, but just six goals in 70 games last year. And he, you know, found his way to free agency and did not get a uh, suitor for a one-way contract. But uh, he's got 561 NHL games under his belt at that age. Uh, somebody told me that he had so many, like, back injuries and needed back surgery to the extent that his skating just became terrible. Um, you know, some of these injuries can take longer to rehab from than others. Like, we saw with Trocheck after his injury, you know, he came back, but he never really started looking like Trocek until last year, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm, maybe that's what you get with Chris Tierney, but like, ultimately this is a Charlotte signing, I think. Yeah, this is a Charlotte. I mean, and I think, I don't you know, know if I agree with that. I think you get Chris Tierney with the hopes that maybe he slots in as a four C. Right. I, but those are hopes. Well, I, I think that, this, you know, the free agency approach was very similar to the free agency approach of two seasons ago. A ton of low risk swings, and we'll see what ter- what pans out. You know, maybe Tierney ends up on the on the fourth line, or maybe he ends up in the AHL. Same thing with Michael Delzato. Like Michael Delzato, Mark Stahl. Like these are guys that maybe you find some unlock something that works with a pairing, and you can play them. If not, they're in the AHL. The one thing you got to remember is the the Panthers aren't sharing an AHL team for the first time in three seasons, or I guess two seasons the previous two. Uh, so they had to they had to bring pick up some vets to send to Charlotte to round out that roster to make up for the missing prospects that you know they don't have from Tampa and Seattle anymore. So they, you know Delzato, Tierney, all these guys like. They're going to be AHL guys. They're going to be the leaders there. Don't be surprised if Chris Tierney is the captain of the Charlotte Checkers next year. Did we meet our quota of calling the Sens an AHL team last year? Because the Panthers seem very intent on testing the theory that last year's Ottawa Senators were a very good AHL team. I mean, yeah. And uh, they decided to give some of those guys nearly $8 million a year uh, in in the case of Josh Norris. And, you know, if you had asked me my opinion on Josh Norris, I would have given him a glowing review. I I would have thought that I was higher on him than most of the league. And then he got eight times eight pretty much. Like, Jesus. Auto attacks. Probably, yeah, he's American. So, you know, he's looking at what happened with Johnny Gaudreau and he's like, hey, you, you better pay me or that might be me. I, yeah. I guess that does make sense, but I mean, geez, like that's, if he was a UFA, I don't think he would get eight times eight, which again, he didn't get eight times eight. He got like 7.8 or something like that times eight. We saw a lot of location tax deals this past week. I mean, 
Patrick Laine getting 8.7 times four. My God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few other options, but uh, we should start talking about Delzato, who, uh, upon looking at uh, some of these metrics, sneaky good signing here. And, and I think that maybe he's going to be the guy that plays the role that we think Mark Stahl is going to play now because Mark Stahl's had his struggles late in his career. Delzato's only 32, which, you know, we're saying like Huberto and Uyghur are going to struggle so much when they, they hit this kind of age. But I mean, we're talking about a guy that's on league minimum and it would probably only be playing third pairing minutes. And last year, the results that he had in third pairing minutes for Ottawa, pretty solid. You know, he's not, he's not going to blow your world away, but like league minimum minutes, he can, it seems like he's going to do a decent job there if that's where he's going to be. But if not, like, again, Charlotte, not a bad option for them. Yeah. Fine. The, the, the reality is you need to find a number three, number two, number three type defenseman. If you want to go back to having Stanley cup hopes for the season. And I just don't know how they do that. Unless yeah, they fall they're going to have to, one. they're going to have to hope the answer is in that room. We certainly have our doubts. Maybe you can outscore some of your problems. I mean, what was the Blues top for the year they won? I mean, obviously they had Petrangelo and they had, uh, the, I always forget the name of that guy from Alaska. Tory Krug? No, no, they didn't have Tory Krug when they won. No, that's right. They beat Tory Krug. Mm-hmm. Pareko. I mean, who was from Alaska? Pareko, Colton Pareko. He played I mean, in Alaska. Pareko's from Alaska? Yeah, Pareko's from Alaska. In college, at huh. least, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. They also had Jay Bomeister, who was. But a Jay very Bomeister key. was like Mark Stahl at that point. No, he was still putting up good analytics. Was he, though? Yeah, look it up. I'm almost positive Bomeister still had good analytics. Pareko's when... Canadian went to University of Alaska. Yeah. St. Albert is pretty close to Alaska, as far as I'm aware, but you know. I'm not very aware of Canadian geography. Was Justin Falk on the cup team on no. the Blues Cup? No, no. signed later. Yeah, I didn't think so. So what was it like Joel Edmondson? That guy stinks. Joel Edmondson's. Vince Dunn was on that team. Yeah, third pairing role. Uh, Carl Gunnarsson, I think, was on that team. That guy's not that good. So you know they had they had two good defensemen. I mean Petrangelo and Pareko. That's probably a trait that you would take over Ekblad Forsling. But I mean, that was still good enough to win a cup. So maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, underselling that supporting cast a bit. Another another possibility that's out there, even though I know no one's going to think it, it's the right move, and I'll probably agree with you, is the market for John Klingberg has just been non-existent so far because he hasn't signed yet. And if assuming you clear Hornquist's salary, if you give him like a one-year, five million dollar deal you can take that swing. I mean, I would do that, but I don't think Klingberg's going to take the one year, 5 million, to be honest. I, I, I'm just not seeing where he's going to get the money from at this point. Who's yeah. got money. Yeah. Who's got money. That's a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I really don't know where he's going to end up at this point. Maybe. Oh, Delzato was on the, was on the blues cup team. Oh, he was. <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at the roster of that team. It's Robert, the defensemen are Robert Bortuzzo, Jay Bomeister, Robert Chris Bortuzzo, Butler, Vince Dunn, Joel Edmondson, Carl Gunnarsson, Jakob Yarabek. Uh, so Delzada's rings in the room. Petrangelo, Jordan Schmaltz. 
and that's it. Let me see his career Seattle game or not Seattle St. Louis games played. Looks like he played seven games there. He did play seven games and he had three points in those seven games. That's, that's not bad. Thirteen that's points in twenty six games with the Senators last year. That's not bad either. Without even looking at rosters, the teams with more than five million in cap space at this point are the Winnipeg Delta. Jets. New Jersey Devils, Calgary Flames, Detroit Red Wings, Blackhawks, Islanders, Stars, Senators, Sabres, Coyotes, and Ducks. Which are the teams you see there that are going to be in on John Klingberg? I'm not seeing it. Maybe the Ducks, even though they're trying to do a mini rebuild. Yeah, but then they signed uh, that guy. <laughs> they signed Ryan Strom. Why did they sign Ryan Strom? I don't know. He's not good. He's uh, fine. For the record, Michael Delzato did not play a single postseason game. Yeah, I wasn't thinking uh, that he did. And the yeah. Blues Cup run. Yeah, but his name is on the cup, and to certain people, that absolutely matters. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, we'll see if he can win that, bring that championship pedigree to Charlotte, or maybe the Panthers. You know, I I, w- I wish him the best of luck. Nothing against Michael Delzato, and honestly, I'd probably rather play him than Mark Stahl. Yep. Sure. And I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, Do you guys have anything you want to end it on? Yeah. Jack Johnson baptized his kids in the Stanley cup. That's Uh, pretty dope. Nice. That's pretty baller. That's pretty. Jack Johnson is one of the three players that had a better U 20 scoring season than Mike Benning in the NCAA. That's hilarious because he's not nearly as good as the players that you did say that had worse scoring seasons. Yeah, the other two were Luke Hughes, who had one more point this year, and uh, Adam Fox is the number one. Oh, hell yeah. I probably should have guessed that it was Adam Fox. Yeah, Adam Fox was ridiculous. You know, uh, maybe the Panthers should have drafted him. Shout out Jason Buccalo. All right, uh, so where are the people rating us five stars this week? Uh, rate us five stars on eBay because all you Panthers fans who are going to go out there and get your Matthew Kachuk rookie cards. And you got a bargain See, shop I somewhere. Gonna, I, I was literally going to say eBay also, but for an entirely different reason. Something about trades. You got you to gotta bargain for uh, your top four defenseman there. You got to like make a best offer. Don't go for rate the list five price. stars on Nordstrom Rack. I don't know. <laughs> rate us five stars on uh, Saks Off Fifth and Nordstrom Rack. And all the other department stores. All right, that's going to do it for this edition. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back at some point with uh, mostly interviews for the rest of the off season. But when uh, everything gets going again, we'll be back in the rhythm and you will be ready for the season to begin. Take care until then. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. 
Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203.